This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB Public Media app. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotter-Janderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts. Ryder also holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. Every Tuesday morning on Money Talks, we answer your personal finance questions. But today, we're also going to have a number of tips on how to get the most from your money when grocery shopping. You can contact us by email. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. Sometimes we don't have time during the show to answer emails, uh, but Nancy and or Ryder are good at responding to those emails off air. And to start the show each week, we always like to talk about financial news in the news. So, Nancy, we will give you first crack. What's on your mind? Well, I just finished reading a book that I want to pass on to our listeners, and it's called What the Happiest Retirees Know, and it's by Wes Moss, and it covers a lot of the things that we talk about on this show. Yes, there are a few chapters about saving and investing and drawing income, but there are a lot more chapters about other things that make for a happy and wonderful life, especially when you're retired. And uh, so that just reminds me that when we talk about money, it's not just about dollars and cents. It's about how to use those in ways that reflect your values, that uh, make for a more secure, comfortable, joyful life. All right. Ryder, what about you? What do you have? So I feel like there's a lot going on in the world, and people always ask, oh, how does this world event uh, impact me? So how does our, you know, what was that, the 12-hour mutiny in Russia, how does that impact you? I really don't know, but I know people are wondering what I think about that. Uh, And that's it. I don't know. One of the more interesting things you mentioned, we have folks emailing uh, questions to us. People send in questions we don't always answer on the air, but someone did ask the other day about Treasury Direct and I-bonds and things. And if you remember way back last year, I-bonds were the it thing. Uh, They were a government-issued bond yielding 9% on an annualized basis. People were going crazy for them. So I decided to look back and kind of check in and see how those were doing. First, I checked Google Trends, of course. And you can see that interest in I-bonds was sky high last May and last November. Those are when the interest rate resets happen. And so I looked at what those interest rates were and compared it to what could you have gotten on a really good money market fund, for instance. So because people were saying, oh, should I invest in I-bonds? Is this an appropriate place for my emergency funds? Is this a good investment? And so far, it's had a very good return. If you had bought one last May, you would have gotten about 4.81% for that six months. You went 3% the next six months. It's down to 1.69% for six months. Uh, so the total return you would expect over that 18 months, so from last May to this coming November, was about nine and three quarters. So I looked at, compared that to, well, what's just the floating rate treasury doing? What are money markets doing? Uh, they've returned about 3% in the past year, and but the yield on them going forward is about 
over 5%. So again, adding all that together, it given that some of those are six months interest rates, and I'm playing very fast and loose with the numbers just to kind of illustrate. You would expect come November to have earned about 6% on a money market or floating rate treasury. So yeah, your I-bonds are ahead, but you have to think, those are they serve a really specific purpose. They're there for the inflation protection, which was really popular last year when we had really high inflation. It is it's it it matches dollar for dollar that inflation protection. There are restrictions on investing in them. There's limits to how much you can put in, when you can take it out. Uh, it's not necessarily appropriate for emergency savings. Again, your emergency savings is not the idea is to keep up with inflation. It's to be there for you when you need it. And this is not something that's exactly there when you need it. Um, so it's just very interesting that just cropped up again. And as you can see, they're just a lot less popular this year because we are not seeing those same inflation numbers. So uh, we're going to be talking about ways to uh, save money at the grocery store. And again, if you have a tip uh, that you uh, would like to share with us about how you make successful runs to the grocery store, please go ahead and give us a call as well. So let's uh, go through some tips that I found online. The first one is to plan your meals. Um, A lot of these times when I go through these lists, these seem to be um, ideas, but, uh, you know, how practical are they? So. Um, Nancy, I'll, I'll admit I really don't plan out my meals too much in advance. Um, do you do that? <laughs> not very far. And the problem is, if I tried to do that, we'd get to that day and say, oh, I really don't feel like spaghetti today, you know? Um, and so that's what we tend to do is, is in the morning, that's about as far ahead as I plan to think about, well, what will we, will we have for dinner? And uh, the biggest problem that I run into, and this is where planning, I think, does come into play is sometimes I forget to plan in the morning. And so now it's five o'clock. And what are we going to do where we're going to order in or we're going to go find something in a restaurant. And that's where the expense comes in. And we do know cooking at home saves you a lot of money. So you're saying even though you don't do it, you do realize that planning ahead is is an excellent idea kind of for all these yeah, of course. We're in the business of planning ahead, uh, even if it is just for the upcoming week. I find that planning I, – I, I would struggle to eat if I didn't plan ahead on my meals. Well, and I think the very least uh, that if you have a shopping list, a written-down shopping list, I guess that will help keep you on track and l- less distractions. I know a lot of times if I do have a list, I'm pretty much going through the grocery store looking for those specific items and zipping by any of the enticing things that the grocer might want me to buy. Absolutely. Number two on the list was to make a shopping list. Um, so that's part of planning ahead, <laughs> right? right? I mean, it, it, it is. You, you've got to, if, especially if you're planning ahead for a few days, you're planning on going to the grocery store on Monday, you're going to be cooking on Tuesday or what have you. Yeah, but making that grocery list is very important. And I found well, the grocery list is usually my starting point, though. Kevin, it's, you know, here's the list. And then I start wandering the aisles and thinking, oh, I need this. And what about this on the shelf? And, and of course, this looks good. And so my list gets blown up is what happens. 
Well, that's I think that's how most people then uh, probably spend more money on a grocery trip uh, than they think. That's um, how they get you, Kevin. Well, I mean, do we have any practical suggestions for sticking with the grocery list? Uh, blinders? I don't know. <laughs> um, a, a lot yeah. of, uh, especially larger grocery stores, chain grocery stores, will offer some pickup or delivery option, and that can be quite good. Uh, of course, on the downside is you might not go in there and say, oh, my goodness, you know, I, I was going to get – beef but uh pork was on sale and yeah i could have got that instead but that is a very good way to just stick with your list though you do lose the joy of wandering those aisles and and picking what seems enticing nancy yeah i do love to do that i love to go through and see what's in season and what can i do with that and um uh you know usually though i pick up a lot more vegetables than I should, Ryder, because, you know, the other person in my house does not eat those things. And they, so I eat a lot of vegetables, but if you, if you do not have a plan for them, they will be going bad in your refrigerator. Absolutely. Also, if you're overspending on vegetables, we have to weigh finance versus health. So as long as you're getting those veggies, veggies in there. Yeah, that's important too. Yeah. Ryder, I like your idea because if you find yourself overspending by, you know, not impulse control, and in my case, it would be grabbing, you know, five bags of cookies or ten, two bottles or two cans of nuts or whatever. But Kevin, you make cookies. Why are you bagging? Why are you buying <laughs> really? cookies from the store? You're 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 a professional baker. Well, <laughs> actually, that's funny because I find that helping me write my grocery list these last several months because I bake these cookies every week is what do I need to bake the cookies and then oh what oh, else. I'm May as well get something else. Store. Oh, sure. Dinner, and, why not? And and our listeners need to know that that Ryder and I rarely get the uh, get to taste these cookies <laughs> because they show up on Monday and we're here on Tuesday. Oh, so those only appear when there's a Monday. Holiday. It is it is a hard life we live, Nancy. It is. But I like that. So if you find yourself overspending, you could trade the delivery fee. For, you know, I mean, you could see which is more. Am I overspending more or would it be better for me to let them shop for my groceries with the little bit of the delivery fee tacked on? I think you can also kind of look at look at your refrigerator, tell if you've been overspending on groceries. If you think, oh, I have a lot of foods that are going bad or I have a lot of canned foods or whatever uh, foods that I just simply haven't touched or I'm not going to touch. That's a good indication that you're if you're actually eating the food. I, I don't I, I don't know. Maybe we could cut corners somewhere or or swap this for that. But uh, that's maybe not an extreme overspending case. You're listening to Money Talks. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app for your smartphone then you get to listen to all the local MPB Think Radio programs on your schedule. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder are here for personal finance questions. Also today, we're talking about ways to save money at the grocery store. If you have some grocery-saving tips, grocery money-saving tips, uh, we'd like to hear those as well. In fact, we do have a caller to get to, and it is Linda who calls in from Memphis today. Good morning, Linda. You're on the air, so go ahead. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Well, I uh, just would like to know, are there any um, uh, fundamental uh, resources that people I'm, – I'm 69 years old. I work every day. I draw my Social Security. I have a nice flow of money, but, you know, sometimes – Staying on top and managing the resources are kind of hard. 
So I, at the age of 69, I guess we're trying to learn good money habits, good money management habits. And we'd like to know if, if y'all have any suggestions. Thanks. Thanks so much for the program. I listen to it every Tuesday. Thank sure. you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Linda. Uh, Nancy, let's take uh, let you have first crack at that. Well, I think there's some great books out there. Um, if you want to learn about mutual funds, uh, there's an older book, which is Bogle on Mutual Funds. Uh, Jack Bogle is father of the index mutual fund. He is no longer with us, but some great lessons there about how a mutual fund works. Um, there's a, there are books on ETFs, exchange-traded funds. You can get basic personal finance books. Certainly, uh, Susie Orman has written several. I don't agree with all of her things. Uh, just like I don't agree with all of Dave Ramsey's uh, suggestions. Some of them are not very practical, but there's some good lessons in there. So any kind of good personal finance book, visit your local library. And, of course, there are online resources. So in any industry, there are terms and phrases that we use that you think, I don't know what that means. You can go online and look that up and, and figure out what those are. The Federal Reserve also has a lot of really good resources and videos that you can watch, videos on your credit score, all kinds of information out there. So there are a vast number of ways that you can learn. Yeah, I was thinking one of the most important things is making sure you're getting information from a trustworthy uh, source uh, and also just understanding what that source's point of view is. So, uh government resources that are designed to help out citizens from the Federal Reserve or the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau are great. Uh, a lot of banks do offer some sort of financial education or some sort of financial resource, but you have to understand also from their point of view, they are looking to gather customers. They want you to deposit money. They want you to take out loans. So it's maybe going to be geared more towards folks who are, for instance, taking out loans and using credit cards and things like that. But understanding the source and what their point of view is is going to be important with any resource that you're digging into. And I would add that uh, one thing that we talk about frequently when it comes to budgeting, money management, that sort of thing, is you really first have to get a handle on where your money is going. So something as easy as a little spiral notebook or a notepad or something, maybe for a week, several days, however you want to do it, just every time you spend any kind of money, you know, jot something down. I went to the grocery store. I filled up my car with gas. I paid the power bill, that sort of thing. So I think if you do that over a week or so, you begin to get an idea of, you know, how much money you have and where it's going. And that way, uh, some of these other resources we've been talking about become more meaningful because you can sort of apply them to your specific situation. So, Linda, we appreciate oh, Kevin, Kevin, yes. I think you've, you've learned something through these years. <laughs> it's he, only he's been. spouting what we say, Ryder. <laughs> it's incredible, isn't it? It's real gross. <laughs> It's a thick head, but everything, uh, once in a while, something will get through to it. So <laughs> Today, we're also talking about ways to save money at the grocery store. Next up on our list is uh, coupons and loyalty programs. And I know that I have my Kroger card that I scan, and I find that that's uh, very useful. There's always a lot of um, deals that you can get, you know, some $2 off of this, $3 off of that. They uh, certainly tell you at the end of the year receipt that you saved a lot of money. That's right. They, you, and I think... Um, long receipt. Very <laughs> yeah. long receipt. They don't beat CVS for the longest receipt, Oof. though. Um, actually, I do think they they might... But you're right. Every time at the bottom, they say you've saved this much money. The other thing that I think Kroger does a good job of, and I think it's because I use my little card, but now they've started sending me targeted 
uh, coupons. Mm-hmm. And so uh, – and usually there's something that's free in there, uh, but the, those are valuable, and I use, use a lot of those. Um, so, uh, Nancy, what are your thoughts on, on coupons and, and loyalty cards, that sort of thing? Well, I've tried them through the years. I've never been very good at them. I know some people are really good at couponing. Uh, most of the time I find it's for products that I don't use. And like you, Kevin, seeing Kroger then send me coupons for things that I actually use, I can go through that list and go, well, I know I'm going to buy another one of these so I can uh, put it in my purse and take it with me. And it does help to have those coupons now loaded online so it can be loaded on your card and you don't even have to think twice about it. So that helps. But, of course, bear in mind they're trying to get you to buy more of a certain item or at least, in Kroger's case, probably get me to come back into the store to get that free item. And then I end up loading up my cart with everything else. Um, but that's the name of the game. But you just have to be more disciplined with it. If you use those coupons, make sure that it's for something you do use or if it's something you want to try, try it once. But then don't get caught in that, that cycle. Yeah, that's a good point. I think a lot of times because you get a coupon or a, 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 um, a reduction in the price on something, you automatically want to buy it. And Ryder, as Nancy's saying, just double check, make sure this is really something that you need. And that's where you get the value of it when it's something that you use that you're getting the cents off for or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Don't use it to buy more things, right? Don't be tempted just to spend more money just because, oh, I did spend $5, but I saved 50 cents. <laughs> no, no, no. That means you spent more money. And Liz and I were talking about this uh, before the show. There are some people who are very good at couponing. They find all these you know, multiple coupons for the same item or one's a specific item, one's a store coupon, one's a manufacturer's coupon. Um, for some reason, I can never find all these incredible deals. So I just, I don't really, I don't end up playing that game. But like Nancy said, sometimes the apps where you can just preload them uh, are very convenient. But always keep in mind, coupons are not designed to save you money. They are ads. They are promotional tools. So again, if it is not already on your list, that coupon is not saving you money. I was going to say, I like the the Dollar General. Um, At the bottom of your receipt, there will be a $5 off for the next Saturday. Um, if you buy $50. And so if you time it right, as far as all of your basics that you want to pick up at that time, that works well. Was visiting some friends in California this last week, and uh, we went by CVS. And um, as my friend was checking out, I kept hearing, you know, the computer voice saying five cents or 10 cents. I mean, he, he just had all these coupons and he ended up getting like a $5 can of mixed nuts for a dollar. But it was funny because he kept the computer voice kept saying, you're saving what wasn't, but it's like, you're saving money. You're saving money. You're saving money. So coupons work, but there is a little bit of an effort. And what I like also, again, I think everybody's identified that I shop at groceries at Kroger, uh, but they have the uh, digital coupon. The only problem I have with that is it's a little bit hard sometimes to get my smartphone to look at the, the QR code. Uh, but that gets automatically loaded, and so when you scan your loyalty card, then th- all that uh, those digital coupons are already on there, and they're, uh, they are uh, subtracted from the total. So um, I, I, I will say I'm kind of happy with the way that uh, Kroger does that with the with the coupons because I do think that that 
uh, really does save me some money at the grocery store, which is what we're talking about as we look for your personal finance questions on Money Talks. Do you have any tips that help save you money at the grocery store? We'd love to hear those. Or as I say, if you have a personal finance question, if it's if it's completely off topic, nothing to do with grocery shopping, give us a call because that's why we're on the air each Tuesday. We want to answer the personal finance questions that you have. This other stuff that we have, it's interesting and helpful, but it's really just designed to fill the gaps between your phone calls. So before we get to our next break, we'll go on to the next one, and this is to compare prices. And again, I try to do this, but when you're comparing prices and the price is at the bottom of the shelf, it's sometimes hard to lean down and actually see what the price is. But um, uh, Ryder, what do you think? And, and so, so is the problem leaning down, <laughs> Kevin? Or yeah, what's the, the real problem here? Well, the problem is both leaning down and being able yeah, to see. Yeah, I feel you. <laughs> So that's not really a financial issue, is it? <laughs> no, that's... We do have some, uh, there are some great uh, Southern Remedy, maybe a, a, a show you <laughs> yeah. want to call into with your questions about that, Kevin. Um, yes, comparing prices, of course, of course. And and this goes, this really covers anything. Kind of like my example before, you're thinking, oh, well, I, want, I want to have beef, but oh, pork or chicken is on sale or cheaper or something. Obviously, some recipes you don't want to, you don't want to substitute one of those. But if you are just aimlessly wandering around and taking inspiration from what you see out there, again, if you listen to us 15 minutes ago, we do not recommend that that path of growth, grocery shopping. But comparing those prices, seeing what's particularly good deal, that can that can lean you one way or another. Sometimes um, you may just be looking for some vegetables to you know bulk up a meal, and you may just say, "Well, I'm just going to kind of get whatever vegetable is cheapest that appeals to me." So maybe it turns out that the cauliflower is half the price of the broccoli. So you just go for that. Guess what? They're they're like the same thing except one is green. Um, not kidding. Uh, don't get green food dye because that's gonna that's going to raise your cost again. Uh, and then comparison shopping also especially works with packaged goods because, you know, we can't avoid getting packaged goods, um, even though sometimes avoiding them is a good way to save money. But if things like breakfast cereals, look, there's a hundred types of breakfast cereals, and I know everyone has their loyalty, but they're also pretty open to some other types. So again, looking to see what you have a coupon for, looking to see what's on sale, making sure, again, you're not just buying this new cereal because it has a coupon, but it's actually more expensive. Um, and then of course, things like baking goods, you know, sugar, flour, there'll be store brands, there'll be brands you haven't heard of maybe before. There'll be, again, brands you have a coupon for. So comparing those similar products and also comparing different size packages. While typically a larger packaged food, a larger amount is going to be lower cost per unit. Also think, do I actually need that amount? So sure, you only pay 50 cents more for twice as much flour, but if that flour is going to go bad because you only used it once uh, and you're not a professional baker like Kevin, then that's just not going to work. Or maybe they're having there's a new size or you have, a, again, a coupon for a specific size that does make a smaller size or an odd size a little bit of a better deal. So absolutely always comparing things, looking at that unit cost and uh, thinking, you know, is this a true substitute? Is this really saving me money? Yeah, I, And I, I think about the warehouse stores because, you know, I go in there looking for deals. Um, frankly, I don't usually find great deals at the warehouse store. And I see people coming out of there with huge carts just piled high. And there's something about that psychology of getting in there. But 
I also think my household is just two people. So do I really need to have a case of everything they are selling? It makes more sense for us to have smaller amounts. As Ryder mentioned, you don't want it to go bad. Um, and so it doesn't quite make sense, but um, a lot of people will shop those warehouse stores and uh, be stacked high with all of their storage space with paper towels and whatnot because they're getting a great deal on it. Yeah, and I think uh, Ryder mentioned the price per item, and I know a lot of grocery stores do that now where you'll see on the tag, you know, the cost, but then it'll say, you know, cost per item. And that's an easy way to compare two products that might have different, you know, amounts or whatever. And You know what else you can do? You can figure that out by yourself. If you have a calculator on your phone, Kevin, and I've done that in the store. Well, that's why I wanted to double check because if I get the Coke Zero, which I drink a lot of, again, we'll talk about Southern Remedy at a later date on that one. Yes. Uh, but it's always, do I get the 12-pack or I go to the 24-pack? And so what I do, and hopefully I'm doing this right, is you take the price and divide by 12 and 24, and that gets you your unit price on each one, and you can see which one is cheaper, right? Or you might want to do, instead of a per can, a per ounce, because, you know, Coke Zero comes in different quantities. All right. Very good. See, you just made my trip to the grocery store a little more complicated, Nancy, but I... (laughs) It's math. Whatever you got to do to save money. Money Talks is MPB Think Radio's personal finance broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lodrick-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're both charter financial analysts, and Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. So we're always ready to take your personal finance questions, and this morning we are also talking about ways to get the most money at the grocery store. we got some callers coming in in just a minute here, but first let's maybe do one more on the list. And uh, this is buying in bulk, which we kind of touched on before the last break. And Ryder, I think the point that you made is good, you know, depending on family size or whatever, don't buy in bulk just mm-hmm. to buy in bulk. Make sure that if you buy in bulk, the, the products aren't going to go to waste. So maybe things like non-perishable things might be more appropriate in this category. Yeah, absolutely. So grains, pasta, you know, we always have a couple of things of pasta on hand. Uh, and if, if we're buying spaghetti or something and there's a there's a buy one, get one, absolutely. Like keep that extra one, keep that extra one in your closet, uh, in your pantry. Canned foods often will just buy buy a rack if there is, is a discount for multiple ones because if, uh, one thing that I will always have on hand is the petite diced tomatoes because you can throw diced tomatoes in in so many dishes and we'll always have those on hand. So I always buy a whole bunch of those when I get them. Um, Yeah, making sure those things aren't going to expire. So one of the things we were just talking about is I buy uh, like the the half gallon size of milk once every week, week and a half. Uh, And that's about as long as it's going to last in the fridge. And if it pushed to two weeks, it's not going to be any good anymore. So if I was given a coupon for 50 cents off a gallon, it's like, oh, what a great deal. I could save 50 cents. But uh, it's it's all going to go bad. So again, don't be... It's another thing just to not be tempted by, oh, I'm saving a, a, a penny today only to waste a penny tomorrow. Right. Yeah. If you save money by buying it, but then it goes bad and you don't use it, then that's that's money wasted for sure. So um, our producer, Abram, brought this to us. That was a good one. So pay attention to those uh, used by dates when you're buying uh, in, in bulk or in larger quantities. We've got a caller on the line to get to. So we go say good morning to Paul, who calls in from Bogachita. Good morning, Paul. You're on the air with us. So go ahead. Good morning. 
I have a question about uh, some Series E U.S. savings bonds. I've purchased them over several years through my employer. They're going to start reaching maturation in the next year or so. What should I do with them? Any recommendations? Whose name is on those? Mine. Yours. Okay. Um, yes. So um, in that case, probably you're just going to take them to the bank and cash them out because you don't want to hang on to them until mm-hmm. after maturity, if they've stopped paying interest on them. Mm-hmm. Um, often they will pay interest for a certain period of years after they actually mature, but then it stops at some point. So just go ahead and get those funds out. And my question would be, did you report interest on those along on your taxes? No. No. Okay. So then that would be some reportable income uh, coming to you if that's just in a regular account. Yeah, so that is one consideration. Uh, I wasn't exactly clear if you're still working, and that might, I, I don't know how much these are, but if declaring all of that interest over the past 20 or 30 years is going to be an expensive tax problem, whereas if you just waited a year or so and it was not a tax problem, that may be worth it. Um, and just to zoom out a little bit for our audience, so the EE, the Series EE bonds, they are guaranteed to double in value in 20 years is, is the idea. I believe that, that number has changed in the past. Um, but then it just earns at the interest rate that was established. Current interest rate is like 2.5%. Uh, but they only earn interest for 30 years. So if it's 30 years old, then it's you're not getting anything anymore. If it's 20 years old and the interest rate is still attractive, Fine, great, go for it. Uh, we'll say kind of prevailing interest rates that you might get on a CD are also pretty attractive, so that would be part of your calculation. And then, as Nancy mentioned, uh, you can put off paying tax on the interest until you cash it out. If you've done that, that means you've gathered interest, taxable interest, for a, a number of years, and you just want to be careful if that's going to be a large amount for a lot of folks, you know, they have a maybe a couple thousand dollars in Series EE bonds. That's not going to be an issue. But if you if you have a lot of interest gathered there, you might just want to give that one a, a second thought. Yeah, well, since they're maturing over time, I was figuring I just might stop taking them out, you know, so that the interest hits kind of yearly but in small mm. amounts. Right. Okay, so you have multiple series of them you have you have some maturing on different years that does make sense and that would that would be a good way of spreading out that income hit all right well thank you very much appreciate it thanks paul for your phone call let's stay on the phone lines next we're going to go to mobile because louise is on the line for us good morning louise you're on the air go ahead good morning i was just listening to your show as usual and i was thinking we really have to be diligent as a consumer because sometimes the prices are placed to where they want us to see it, not what we should see. And I have noticed that larger boxes are not necessarily less cost per ounce than a small mm-hmm. box. And, you know, for decades we were told, oh, get the big sizes cheaper. But it's not always. And I, I can see why, because packaging is expensive. It costs just as much to make a small packaging as it is a large package, but it's not always cheaper to buy the big box. Mm-hmm. Like cereal, you know, I've noticed some cereal stuff. That's my comment. 
All right. Louisa, thanks for the call and a, and a good point that you made. So let's uh, let Ryder and then Nancy will go to you in a minute. Yeah. And I actually think the first thing that she mentioned is truly a fascinating thing, uh, aspect of retail stores is how they l- well, one, we, we all know they design packaging to make it more attractive, but how they lay the store out from just the different routes you might take through the store, uh, how they kind of put things on the end cap versus the middle of the aisle. And then she even mentioned the location on the shelf. The really high shelves, hard to see, hard to reach. Really low shelves, hard to see, hard to reach, as, as Kevin discussed, uh, both bending over and seeing the price tag is difficult. Um, so those are just interesting store uh, psychology things, which just makes it more important to go in there with a list. Again, if you're just going in there, they've designed the store for someone to walk in there and spend as much money as possible. That's why a list is going to say, oh, wait, I know I'm in the right section. I need to look up. I need to look down. I need to look side to side to make sure I'm getting what I was looking for. Because, you know, sometimes, oh, that can of chickpeas, man, that's really hard to find. Uh, But also just to make sure you are getting the best uh, price for it and the most appropriate uh, size for what you need. Nancy, what are your thoughts? I just wanted to give a plug to uh, local farmers markets, mm, and right fan. now is is the perfect time. Uh, we are have such an advantage in Mississippi because we have a long growing season, and we have a very healthy agricultural um, sector in our state. And so, I would just encourage you to visit your local farmers markets. Many of them take EBT cards now. And you can get really good local fresh produce. In some cases, you might be paying a little bit more, but you're going to get the quality, and you know it's been grown right around the corner. And this, so this brings up one of our next points about buying fruits and vegetables seasonally. This is one of the things I always find fascinating. I, I, big fan of, 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 of farmer's markets. Big fan of buying a watermelon uh, from a guy on the side of the road in a gas station. You know, you can get some pretty good deals, and you can also get some phenomenal produce that way. But shopping seasonally, getting fruits and vegetables in season, works particularly well for farmer's market. Like Nancy said, a lot of times maybe it's a little more expensive because, yeah, it's a it's a small farmer. They don't have the economies of scale that a Walmart or Kroger has. Uh, you are often you get to know those vegetables a little better. You get to know your farmer. You get usually much higher quality, fresher uh, product. But in season, you know when it is when it is the peak week for tomatoes. When it is the peak week for bell peppers? They will be selling those in the farmers market like they're going out of style. You will be able to get bell peppers for like pennies. On, for a pound of, of bell peppers or, or whatever vegetable there is. Because if you think about it, Kroger, large stores, they are really kind of optimizing how much they buy. They don't want to have too much stock. Whereas these small farmers, if it grows, it grows. They just got to pick it and try to sell it. So when they have those peak season amounts, uh, then you can usually get some deals. If you have freezer space, a lot of fruits and vegetables do freeze well. That's going to help you kind of spread spread that out over time. If you're into canning or preserving, which is that was an activity I did a lot of this weekend. I canned a bunch of peaches. Um, that can save. Oh no, I said that was a. Oh no, I said can. <laughs> that uh, that may save you money as well. Just just don't go out and buy fresh ball jars every time. Make sure you know how to kind of do that in an economical way. 
Well, and I will say there's nothing like a great ripe Mississippi tomato on a BLT. Mm. And again, since we've been comparing ourselves to our medical show, Southern Remedy, several times this morning, fresh fruits and veggies, hey, Ah, that's great in terms of your health. Mm -hmm. All right. As promised, we've got a couple of callers on the line to get to, so we begin again in Hattiesburg. John has called in today. Thanks for holding, John. You're on the air, so go ahead. Uh, Good morning. Uh, So my question is not about grocery, but rather about uh, um, credit scores. So um, I'm close to needing to uh, take out a mortgage and, 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 and borrow money. And in preparation for that, I paid off some credit cards and sold, you know, a house and, and so forth. And, uh, and I'm, I'm checking the three credit reporting agencies, and one of them reflected that, uh, you know, payoff of those debts and has a higher score, but the other two haven't showed it yet. So I'm wondering, do I need to wait for all three of them to reflect that, or uh, or, or can I request the the mortgaging company to look at a particular credit reporting agency, or, or do I just need to hold on? I'm kind of not sure what to do at this point. John, with any lender, they tend to rely on one agency over another, So um, certainly you can check as you start to shop for a loan for a house, you can ask the question of that lender, uh, which service do you use, which do you rely on, and you can explain your situation. And it's possible they will go ahead and use the higher score because they want to give you the loan uh, unless there's something on there that, that would give them pause. So certainly just check with your lender about which one do they depend on more. Is that the one that you've already have seen that the score popped up? Or you can just explain your situation and see if they will go with that agency. Yeah, and John, it sounds like this is something you've done all very recently. Is that true? Is that is that Am I hearing that right? Yes, it's only been in the past few weeks. Okay, so uh, different... And so the three major credit reporting agencies, Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian, they do check in with those credit lines at different times. They can be different days of the month, but there are a few things that they do check in um, on a monthly basis. And so that's probably maybe it. Uh, There's different times when your credit card companies may be sending information to them. So it could just be a discrepancy in time and maybe waiting out. I would expect over a full month or two, just just in case things just don't go in the first month. Uh, I would expect over a full two months, they should all be reflecting similar things. The only thing I would think to check as far as like, oh, is something going on? Are they not going to incorporate it? Is if it's being uh, reported differently on the actual credit report. So for instance, if you pulled your report and one of them, you know, say you, you know you closed it, um, June 10th and the report says well we checked on June 15th and the credit line was still open whereas another one is reporting it closed or paid off or what have you that would indicate that there's actually an issue there's a data error issue which which is not uncommon unfortunately a lot of times those do get cleaned up in the next month when they correct it but that would indicate a data issue that you might want to dig in otherwise like Nancy said yet you you should be able to find out what reporting agency they're going to and uh, if they're going to the one that's reporting a higher score them I mean you're in, you're in luck there 
All right, uh, John, thanks for your call this morning. And just a reminder for everybody, you can get a free credit report uh, one, three times a year, I think, from annualcreditreport.com. Do I have that right? Yes, that's correct. All right. So, yeah, so you can uh, take advantage of that, annualcreditreport.com. Thanks, John, for your call. Let's uh, time for one more call, and it's our friend Craig who calls us from Biloxi. Good morning, Craig. You're on the air. Hey, good morning. Uh, I'm talking about nation jars, and, and one is you can put jars you can freeze in them, and they won't break. Hmm. Uh, and, and then uh, my grocery list is actually a photo album. I just take pictures of everything. Uh, and, uh, and, wait, and, wait a and, second. Yeah. If you if you need something in your house, that means you probably don't have. You've run out of it. How are you going to take a photo of it? <laughs> this is this is a photo of where the broccoli the used to be. Well, what, what if it's like a piece of a, like a steak or some ground beef? Oh, this uh, yeah, is uh, this is where the ground beef used to be. Remember this moment. <laughs> How do you right, do that? Right. Well, you can you can take a picture of your empty belly and just get everything. <laughs> right. I, this is this is advanced grocery planning going on right here. This this is good. Sorry yeah, for interrupting. And, and, I like your then, idea. Go ahead, Craig. Yeah, and then another one. I if if I get uh, any meat, I get I try to get uh, some uh, larger amount. If you get one little piece of chicken, you got that pad in the bottom that's full of liquid so you're paying for that pad full of liquid per pound so i like to get something like is instead of getting the one little piece i'll get something that's full like several pounds in the same package and well go ahead nancy yeah and if, you, just, and if you freeze that uh, you uh uh that you don't want to freeze that little pad so i pull that pad out before i freeze that well, mm-hmm. my problem with that one, Craig, is I always have to make sure if I split a package, like getting a big pack of chicken or pork chops, um, I need to make sure I label them correctly when they go into those packs and into the freezer because then I forget what I, I've got. I feel like there's a weird story out of that one, but I think that's a great oh, yeah. Meat is another thing that freezes very well with very little preparation. Usually with vegetables, you want to chop them up, you want to blanch them, you want to do a whole bunch of things, you want to freeze them on a pie, you want to put, it, it's a process. But with meat, it really is just kind of wrap it in some saran wrap, throw that in a the Ziploc bag uh, and, and, and stick it in the freezer. All right, Craig, thanks for the call. Good uh, call to end the show with. And I would agree that <clears throat> what I do with uh, chicken, like uh, chicken thighs, I found some uh, skinless chicken thighs that I like cooking in my air fryer. Um, but what I'll do is I'll buy the package of eight or ten and then get some uh, Ziploc bags and put one or two in uh, because I live alone. You know, I'm only going to use them one at a time like that anyway. So that seems to be a very helpful to me. Um, to uh, to you know to, to get the bigger packages and then uh, because that's the other thing if you thaw or if you freeze them all then you got to thaw them all at the same time then you got to cook them all at the same time etc cetera, etc cetera. yes Nancy I was just going to say the last thing I would say to families out there if you have teenagers they will eat you out of house and home don't worry <laughs> about it uh, when they go off to college I cannot tell you the number of families who said I can't believe how much my grocery bill went down when those people left. <laughs> those people. All right. Well, that's kind of an appropriate uh, thing to end on, I would think. So that is all for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from listeners. To hear today's show or a previous show, you can visit moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast by searching for Money Talks. 
Abram Nanny was our engineer this morning, and Liz Gill answered the phones for us. So for Dr. Nancy Lotcher-Janderson and Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting, inviting you to join us every Tuesday at 9 for Money Talks, heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.